Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on Stellaris, Gladius, Planetfall, Thea 2, and much, much more. Hey, Troy, welcome to the show. Hey, Nate, it's good to be here. How are you tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, tonight, Joshua is going to be joining us. So, hey, Joshua. Hey, guys, how are you? We're good. We're good. So, we got we got a couple of news items that he wanted to cover. And uh, one of them is going to be a doozy. So, hold on to your hats or chairs or shirts or <laughs> wallets or whatever you want to hold on to. But that's going to be later on in the show. So, <laughs> it should be an interesting one. All right, why don't you start us off with Endless Space 2? Yeah, in Endless Space 2, we got something that I guess kind of qualifies as an update, sort of. Uh, they fixed a compatibility issue with some things I don't even know what they are, but they're going to be compatible now. Also, they fixed, this is interesting, they fixed an exploit, and like I don't understand how this works, but like if you had a planet and you were you were switching the type through terraforming, and at the same time, you had something in the build queue that was infinite, which happens, it, it can happen a lot of different ways. For instance, you might have already built it and somehow got it in your build queue twice. Or it could be something that's unique and you were building it on two different planets at the same time and one planet beat it. Or it could be that for whatever reason you lost the ability to produce that improvement for whatever reason, politics or something. So anyway, you could have a... a and, and this happens like a lot. I know it's it's happened to me several times. Nate has. I'm sure it's happened to you where you have an infinite improvement. Oh yeah. In your, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's very common. Oh yeah. Like but you it, run out of a resource. You know. Oh there's yeah. A particular that that could be it too. Um, resource you need. Like let's say you built some ships and you equip them with some modules that use that resource, then the building didn't get built and then it just sits there waiting. And you're like, why? Why haven't I built it yet? And you're like, oh no, yeah, I yeah. don't have enough whatever. There's not yeah, Hyperion or something. Exactly. So anyway, if you were changing a planet's type while having an improvement on infinite, apparently it put your production down to zero, which raised the amount of resources you could get from that planet or from that system. I don't understand how that exploit works. Somebody figured out... <laughs> <laughs> How, probably happened by accident yeah oh i'm sure it did because this is really convoluted production has to be zero you have to be terraforming a planet and it's got to be in the middle of that and then you have to have an improvement that's at infinite and there has to be resources in that system that you hmm. can somehow exploit to get extra of I don't. sounds like a multiplayer discovery yeah exactly yeah somebody was probably exploiting this in multiplayer and yeah. it was brought to the devs attention i don't get it i don't know how to do it i wouldn't know how to do it and well uh, that's not why i play i don't play for those exploits if i find something like that i'm not like Ooh, 
Now I get to beat the AI by cheating. (laughs) And also for our German-speaking friends, there won't be as much Spanish in the German version anymore. So you guys are going to be all set. Right. Muy bueno. (laughs) Exactly. So let's hear about Stellaris. Yeah, so this is not the doozy that I came out to talk about, but it is very exciting. Um, as we know, week by week, they've been giving us updates on what they're doing with the the Ligin or Ligain. I never know how to pronounce that, so I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I said Ligin, and that's just going to be good enough for Explorminate. Yeah, okay. Le-Gwine. So Le-Gwine. I'll add it to the style guide. Um, so the Ligin uh, update for Stellaris, I'm very excited about this. I think I've talked about it before, that my, my new policy on Stellaris is keep Stellaris weird. Um, so any changes that Stellaris makes that make it unique to other 4X games I'm a fan of and other changes that they make that make it more like other games I'm not a fan of. So, so far, so good with Legend because it all seems like unique ideas for solving unique Stellaris problems rather than just saying, oh, let's make it like Stark, like, um, you know, like uh, uh, Endless Space, you know. So um, this week they've updated us on how trade is going to work in the new uh, the new version, which is very exciting because trade didn't really exist in original Stellaris or even Stellaris 2.0. So um, we're going to have planets now have their own individual trade value. And you'll be able to, each of them will have different value depending on what's on them, you know, how many people are there, et cetera, et cetera. And then you'll have to create trade routes uh, that go, basically you'll need a star base in that system. So it'll be another reason to build yet another star base. And then the star bases will sort of collect resources as they go down, shooting them all the way down to your uh, central planet. So that's interesting. They haven't given us any sort of details on how we're going to build trade routes. If you just draw them out, if they just sort of happen naturally, or if you have to, I don't know, send out a trade unit a la Civ. But that's certainly something that's interesting to me. You know, it felt like the economic game was kind of weak. Kind of weak is being actually kind of easy on it. There really was no economic game in Stellaris. And so this at least suggests that in the future it might be possible to be a really like economic powerhouse um, sort of uh, uh, race of people. Uh, it seems like there might be some ways to uh, maybe, you know, do economic battle on your neighbors by, you know, either messing with their trade routes or by, you know, uh, playing around in the market. So it, it seems like they're moving towards some more interesting decisions in that way. The other thing that this is going to do is that's going to pretty much change piracy completely. Right now, piracy basically works. They show up in some random system. They start harassing your planets and then you have to fight them off. In the new version with the trade routes, heavier trade routes that have more value, there will always sort of be pirate activity. And you'll have to deal with that either by paying a certain amount to your star bases so they're more defended or by you can actually ship out your fleet to and order it as one of its orders is to guard the trade routes. So that seems a little more interesting as well. Overall, I'm more excited about the idea of this update than I am about the actuality of it right now. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of interesting gameplay decisions to make. It looks like right now it's just another thing that you have to set up. It's just something to keep us busy, basically. But we haven't really gotten the full feel of it yet, and so it also seems like the kind of thing where there could be interesting decisions, there could be decision points as we go forward. Right now it just doesn't seem like there's much there, but they haven't given us all the details yet. Right, and with the abolishment of the sector system. Yes, it is should that be. in this update or was that in last? No, no, that was in the previous update. Okay. But like yeah. in this update, you're getting it's it's going to be interesting. I'm I mean I'm all for having in-depth experience 
but having as much or as little of it as you want. So if you can automate it within, I mean, in essence, Stellaris, I think, is right now moving in the direction of distant world universe. Mm. Like with the ability, not so much as you're a ship captain or you are a fleet captain or admiral or whatever, like you kind of can do in that game by automating everything else, but there's still a certain amount of movement in that direction. So, I mean, it's interesting. I'm I'm yeah. excited to see what there's they a universe do. where this is a lot of busy work that you basically have to do. Yes. But has no interesting decisions to it. And there's a lot. I yes. don't, I don't know that that's really where we're going to end up, but there's, it, yeah, it uh, kind of feels like it because that's what happened when they did, when they upgraded the space stations, you know, yeah. the star bases, it created so much micromanagement, like, you have yeah. to, and like where you this, so you can like, this is my experience with 2.0 because prior to 2.0, I just, I couldn't get into the game, but with 2.0, I have most of my hours in it. And the star base spam was reminding me a lot of how it was in Galactic Civilizations 3 when they had the issue with Starbase spam. And 2 had that too, actually. It was sort yeah. of a defining feature of the Galactic Civ game. Well, just a ton of Starbases. Right now, it's like, you know, we might as well, we're, let's stay in this generation. Right. You know, otherwise we can go back to like as far back as we want. But yeah, yeah so, so it's just, a, but I mean, they handled quite a bit of it in Crusade. They mm -hmm. did a decent job with it and they further refined it with Intrigue. So we'll see. I'm curious to see what they end up doing with with Stellaris because they're not afraid to like try a bunch of different things and then decide, oh, we don't like this, we don't like that. I mean, they jettisoned the whole drive mechanic by having yeah. multiple drive multiple drive engines or yep. capabilities. So we'll have to kind of that, uh, that one went against my keep Stellaris weird policy. <laughs> right, keep it keep Stellaris Starlini. He no, keeps no. Stellaris as weird as possible. Yeah, he wanted all the different drives. Oh, no, 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 I know. I, yeah. I I agree. I'm just saying that they moved away from that. They yeah, sort they of still have it to some degree now, but not. But it's more like endless, endless space right now. The yeah. way it happens there than it was how it used to be. They're more like progressions than... Yes, uh, yes, than just completely strange drive types. Yeah, anyway, this to your point, Nate, this, this update definitely feels like one of those... We're going to put a system in and then we're going to see how it flies. Right. The and then uh, we'll see over time, we'll adjust it. It feels more like that than the city stuff that we've learned about previously, which feels really fully baked and thought out. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on to the next game. So this was brought to our attention on the forums. And this is for a game that it's called Galactic Dominion. It's a Space 4X. It's it's out now, and uh, it's um, graphically speaking, it's not on the level of Stellaris or Endless Space or Galsiv, but mechanistically, it's it's pretty interesting, and we'll report more on it as stuff comes out. We'll definitely give it a look, see you know, figure out about doing a, a review for it at some point. But right now, we're catching up on our older reviews that we're behind. So they're going to take priority for the foreseeable future, and we're, we've we got a couple on in the works that should be dropping in the next hopefully couple of weeks, maybe month. So yeah, but definitely like um, this update brings uh, controls for game speeds, so you can slow down the game and speed it up. So you can go from half speed to double speed. Uh, you can you can control um, on research. It has a setting 
which it doesn't look like you can randomize the research, but you can randomize the bonuses that you get. So to speed up the research for particular texts or to slow them down. So that's that's kind of an int- that's interesting. That's almost like having a eureka moment. So oh, eureka, we figured it out. So you get it early, or oh, we're having all kinds of cost overruns, you know. So it takes more time. Another one of the things that they did that I like is the research tree looks more like a it's a grid, and it looks a little bit like endless space one was, though it's not circular. It's it's I don't know. It's squares, but when you're researching something, they change the user interface so it looks orange. So you see what you're in the progress of researching. So that's kind of interesting because in a lot of games, you can't really tell sometimes what you're researching by quick glance. You know, it's and this little bit of color coordination helps. And then um, they're talking about splitting the fleet. So you, while it's docked, you can split the fleet to smaller fleets. And when you do that, the newer fleet will basically get materialized outside of the space dock. So, all right, you know, I'd have to play it in order to see how that works, but it looks interesting. And thank you for our community member for bringing our attention to this. It's already been added to the Forex database. So here's one more game we're behind on reviewing for this year. All right. Well, next we're going to have a couple of games that think you can solve all of Space 4X's problems by increasing the scale. And the first one we're going to talk about here is called Starzeal 4X. And this week, it's all about procedural generation of the galaxy. So uh, there are multiple layers here in the procedural generation. You have the galaxy, which is, you know, the, the largest structure. And then within that are sectors. Within the sectors are quadrants. Within the quadrants, there are clusters. And within the clusters, there are solar systems. So that'll give you a good idea. Each of those layers will be procedurally generated um, on its own. So that'll give you a good idea about the scope of the game. It's going to be pretty big. Um, the, The developers here really wanted to focus on... Uh, giving the player that sense of mystery and exp- exploration, and they think that they can do that through a really large scope. And at the same time, still keep the game efficient at the late game, where normally like really big galaxies and solar systems, things like that, uh, tend to slow down, where the computers start to chug, and even good systems have trouble. So they think they can keep it efficient. You know, the the Unreal Engine and the Unity Engine both are refined to the point now where developers can procedurally generate massive maps, absolutely gigantic maps. That's not a problem anymore. It used to be like, you know, you could never get to a million tiles or something like that. And now that's that's child's play. You can do it in just a few seconds. So anyway, that's Starzeal. It's going to have multiple layers, each procedurally generated. And then the second game is Children of the Galaxy, one that I've actually played. And this week, there's been a lot of updates, kind of behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, like .NET Standard and the Zenko and all that stuff. I don't even know what those are. It, it looks like it's just stuff that's uh, kind of behind-the-scenes that the player never really sees. Uh, there's been... Uh, uh, the, the bonuses with Captains now is going to work a little bit differently. It just brings that unit up to maximum instead of having the maximum count of units in a strike group. So in other words, you're going to have one really awesome ship instead of kind of having a larger fleet. Uh, They've added tabs to the top menu screens, which is great. This is awesome. Children of the Galaxy 
was so close to having a UI that worked like the Endless games. And if you've never played an Endless game, Endless 4X game, you, you've got to try it just for the UI alone. I think the UIs in these games are great. And Children of the Galaxy was approaching that, but it was still clunky. It didn't. It was very difficult to navigate amongst all the different screens. So you might have your diplomacy screen, your research screen, your galaxy screen, your heroes screen, all those different screens. But to go from one to the other, you would have to close them. Okay, so if I opened up diplomacy and I needed to go to, uh, like, my shipbuilding screen, which is, you well, know, Anyway, uh, you'd have to close diplomacy and then go to shipbuilding or go to research. And that's very clunky. It's just not very good. Now it's Sounds like a lot of clicks. It is a lot of clicks. A lot of clicks. Now it works just like endless whatever where, you know, you got that little UI bar in the upper left. And you can click back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Go, you know, infinite number of times amongst like the, the, the market and everything else. And then a right click just gets you right out of it and puts you back in the galaxy view. So that's what it's getting. At least that's what it says here. It's almost enough to make me reinstall it on my computer and check it out. So uh, that along with some extra tool tips and things is what does it for Children of the Galaxy. Again, a game with a massive scope uh, because... You know, it's got multiple solar systems within the galaxy. Each solar system has multiple planets, and it might have multiple asteroid belts where you can build multiple star bases and all that sort of thing. So, anyway, you can spend a lot of hours there if you want. Okay. Thanks Thanks for that. All right. Moving away a little bit from Space 4X into sci-fi planetary 4X, space, future, something. Anyways, oh. Warhammer 40k Gladius Relics of War uh, updated us this past week, and they were talking about something that they're going to try to do, which is they're going to have a separate beta build with tweaks before they release it to the wider build, which is smart. You know, why not release content that needs to be checked, specifically when dealing with AI and AI behavior? And then once it's been, it's gone through shakedown and it's been checked and it's been played and the issues have been found, then you release it to the wider group. So in this build, they're working on two major things. They're working on a new AI and they're working on the world builder. Now I'll start real quick with the world builder. That's specifically to make the regions more interesting and more distinct from one another. So as so they're adding different parameters that will affect the size and density as well as placement and the play of the Arctic, the desert, the tropical, and the volcanic regions. They are um, they're changing how, as far as I can tell, you, they're adjusting how units travel on it, how they function on it. So that's a major thing. Now, Another major thing that they're adding that's new, they're changing how fortifications work and the Fortress of Redemption, which is a specific uh, structure that is for the Space Marines. So they're changing that. Now, that's the new stuff. The other thing is they're working on the AI, and it's a really long list about the various AI tweaks that they're making. So I don't know. I, I know we've been talking about this, that on their previous game, Pandora, uh, one of our community members did a lot of AI work for them, and he, both he and them have mentioned in the last couple of months that they might work again together on the AI for Gladius. And I don't know if that's the, if that's it, whether this is him starting to work on it or 
you know, this is the last set of tweaks being done by their own internal AI people. So we'll kind of have to wait and see. But what I do know is I haven't seen them post anything lately. So that, w- I mean, that would be my guess. And the AI he made for Pandora was phenomenal and insanely brutal to the point that a lot of people left negative reviews that the AI is too powerful. It's cheaty. It's, it's so cheesy. And the funny thing is that it didn't cheat and it wasn't cheesy other than the fact that it played the game really well because it was unencumbered. So we'll have to see how it goes for this one. And um, the next game that's also terrestrial, space, sci-fi, but not set in space itself is Age of Wonders Planetfall. And this week they released two bits of information. So the first one, which is more important, but I will leave it to the latter part of this bit was the new one of the victory condition, which is one of the secret technologies, which is the doomsday technologies. But first I will mention the other one, which is they released a fact, which answers some of the major questions talking about a little bit about the lore, about age of wonders three, how both of them fit into the same place. How is planet going to be different from age of wonders three? So that's going to be linked in the notes. It's not too long. The answers are pretty brief, but to the point. So definitely check it out. It's, it's a good bit of information there. Now getting back to the, the, the real meat of this update was them discussing the secret technologies and what that means for the playstyle. So from what I can tell, the fa- the the various different factions, first of all, they mentioned that there's six factions in the game. So, so far, we've seen three. So there's three more that haven't been talked about, which is fantastic. And, there, and as well, there are six different endgame doomsday technologies. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that a doomsday technology is there to wipe out the planet or to conquer a faction outright. There could be some other ones, but the first one they mentioned is actually about wiping out the planet. And this one is called Promethean. And if you know anything about the origin of that name, it's fire. And basically, um, in Greek lore, Greek um, mythology, Prometheus gave humans fire. And that's what advanced humanity out of, you know, barbarity and to civilization. So here it's kind of the same thing. The main thing of this doomsday weapon is that it's all about fire they have multiple units so let's go over the units for example so one of the units is a drone unit that basically teleports around the map and it can teleport within close proximity to an enemy unit and just burn them that's their point blank weapon is an incinerator then they have their uh troopers which are flamethrowing exterminators. <laughs> they basically walk around with giant flamethrowers and they burn everything. Then they have a tank called the Aegis tank. And this this one does not necessarily have flames. This one has kinetic shockwaves. It's really good against flying units and it extends a shield around it. To My guess is probably it'll be six tiles around it, maybe bigger, I don't know. And any unit within that area gets an automatic defensive bonus. Then you have a unit called the Phoenix Walker, which looks like a giant robot with, can you guess what weapon it has? Ice? Anyone? That's right. It throws ice cubes at everybody. Made out, of, mag- made out of magma. <laughs> so the Phoenix Walker basically burns everything on the on the battlefield and the the techs are equally 
connected to it. So there's multiple techs that come with it. So there's something called the Pyrex absorption panels. And this is... Wait a minute, what? Pyrex, P-Y-R-X. Like the, the glass company that makes the measuring cups and things? Without the E, yes. Oh, Hi- okay, without... Pyrex. <laughs> All right. But if I pronounce it as two separate things, people are going to be it. like... Eh, I get it. All okay. right. I was like, oh, okay, they got some corporate sponsorship, like... No. your tanks and Pyrex glass. It won't shatter. <laughs> no. So what it is is or, or a little different, but the kind of functions like that, it basically gives them a unit that's within fire, is immune to fire, and also heals faster and does more damage with its attacks with fire. And so going back a little bit, their insignia of this Antec is a phoenix. And that's basically the premise. I mean, I've already mentioned fire, I've mentioned units, but that's basically the premise is that you are building these structures, these refineries, and you are that's part of the, um, the cycle for winning the game. So you it's it's a little bit it reminds me a little bit of Age of Wonders 3 when you held the piles and you had to hold it for a certain amount of turns and armies would start attacking it. And if you can hold them for for 10 turns, I think it was, or five turns, I don't remember whether it was five, 10, 20, I don't remember if it was adjustable or not, but that this is kind of a similar mechanic. And ultimately what ends up happening is that if you successfully defend these three structures, then you release this gas that gets incinerated and burns everything on the surface of the planet, pretty much just like a firebomb just cleanses the whole planet. And in the meantime, all of the, I guess your operatives or your people or your colonists or all of the people, you know, whichever faction you have that, so they, I left this part out. They build special structures like doomsday vaults in the ground that everybody kind of hides inside. And after the planet is cleansed of all life, then they come out and they repopulate the planet and they start like a terraforming project and bring it back. So that's kind of, that's, that's kind of the shtick with this. And it's, it's really cool. This is something that in age of wonders three was missing. So even though this or some type of this victory condition existed, there wasn't really a story behind it. There was, at least for me, somebody looking in, somebody who didn't play a lot of Age of Wonders prior to 3. But now they're building the lore. They're kind of backfilling it in and they're getting it in there. So you understand the significance of this secret tech and there's a purpose to it, you know. And I I really find that exciting. And I, I genuinely cannot wait to get my hands on Planetfall. You know, I have to temper expectations until it comes out. Well, I'm really looking forward to next week's update where we learn about the Tupperware Warriors. Exactly. <laughs> well, it wasn't but there's spelled. There's no E at the end. It's Tupperware. No, no, War. it's not. The, the, the Tupper Warriors. The Tupperware. Yeah. <laughs> they have a special shield that that's able to withstand the yeah. extreme heat of the Pyrex. Yeah. It just bounces <laughs> off. It just bounces. Yeah. And then your tanks can burp. <laughs> that, that's their that's their secret weapon. They can burp, okay. but they're nonstick, which I like. Nonstick, nonstick. Yeah. So like all the acid clouds just uh you know roll right off. Nobody gets that's hurt. right. Okay, so we're gonna talk about Driftland next, and this update is really kind of different um, from the type of thing we we normally report on. So this week, um, the graphics are being updated for Driftland, and uh, it's quite um man is it quite a change you know driftland kind of uh reminds me of that other game in development 
right now, Nate. I think it's Empires and Ruins. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but how does it remind you of that? Well, huh? it's sort of the same. They're, they're, I think they're both real-time, right? Yeah, they're, they're, the combat phase is real-time. And um, like they both have like this uh, sort of steampunk vibe going on. Although I think Empire in, is more, yeah, but, is more. But World anyway, War One steampunk. Yeah. So anyway, that game, Empires and Ruins, is really drab without much color. And I always enjoyed Driftlands because it was a very colorful game. It was, it, man, I, I always thought it was just kind of cool and colorful. Well, now the colors are getting turned up to ten. Uh, they've figured out how to do something they call. I want to get this exactly right so they they call it like skybox lighting i think and um this like saturates the colors now and there's just so much happening on the screen with with all these colors and this it's really detailed and i'm almost wondering now if there isn't like too much going on with all this because it just look look man it's it's uh quite a lot the the game has a lot of elves in it. Well, they need to be okay. able to distinguish the elves from one another. You know, the but golden that, elves from the wooden elves, from the mountain elves, from the lava elves, from the elves elves. You know, and by really accentuating the color, maybe. Yeah. Well, they've like the color now. The one of the good things is like the background is I don't know. It it, it looks more detailed and crisp, more crisp than it was before. And, uh, oh, Driftland is a game where everything's uh, like all these floating islands. And you bridge them together to build your empire, which is really cool. And the background was always just, I don't know, like just out of sight. You couldn't see it. But it, it's supposed to be like this uh, this uh, magma planet that, that's gone through a cataclysm, cataclysm. And all of the good land is up in the air and all the stuff down below is really awful. So all that. All that has been uh, dialed up to 10 on the saturation scale. So I might have to log in and see what that looks like. But uh, speaking of elves, Nate, they have updated the dark elven architecture. So probably to make it more distinct, like you were saying. And there's a new icon on the game's uh, heads-up display that doesn't do anything yet. So it's a mystery. And Mm -hmm. uh, also there's a lot of... uh, uh, bug fixes and, and quality of life things that have been added to the game. So this is a game that's changed a lot when it first came out. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I just find it interesting. I, I kind of like it. All right. So let me ask you a question. How excited were you to get that email from Muha Games about the Theatuki? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, we got those of us who backed the game on Kickstarter got an email this week that, hey, the game's on Steam. That's all the email said, pretty much. Here's your key. I did, yeah, here's the key for Steam. And like, I didn't even go to the Kickstarter update to read that because I didn't want to waste time. I wanted to go right to Steam. So I put mm-hmm. in my key mm-hmm. and, you know, you go through all the next, next, next. Yeah, I agree to whatever this is, Steam. Uh-huh. I'm not going to read it. And <laughs> like, I'm ready to download the game and it downloads in like half a second. Uh, it wasn't like, ready yet for uh, download. What what's going on? So I try to play it and I get an error. So like I'm I'm panicking. I can't down. I uninstall it. I reinstall it. I'm panicking and I finally get a hold of one of the devs. They're like, "Well, if you read the Kickstarter update, the Steam version isn't ready yet. Here's where you can download it." <laughs> uh, so did you end up downloading the Steam? Oh version? yeah, yeah. 
um, today the Steam version uh, downloaded for me, but I was playing the uh, non-Steam version mm-hmm. yesterday, and I'll talk more about that at the end. Okay, me too, by the way. I played a little bit, maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes of the Steam version today. So we can compare notes for a there moment. So anyway, is there anything else to talk about? With Thea 2? Not really. I mean... All right, that's great. It's uh, It's the... I think it's the version that people got to play at EGX. Maybe. I I don't know. They had several several newer versions there. So anyway, Josh, we've set you up pretty well. Why don't you tell us about Total War Three Kingdoms? Yeah, so this is not the only time I'll be talking about Total War, but for now we'll stick with this. For those of you who read Oriental Empire's review that Nate posted, or um, by the time this posts, Nate, will the uh, extension for Oriental Empires be up? Yes, it will be. So if you have heard that and you've decided, you know what, the idea of a war game in ancient China sounds really good, but Oriental Empires, for whatever reason, does not sound really good, then you might want to check this out. This is Total War Three Kingdoms, and they have just announced that it will be released officially on March the 7th of 2019. So not that far off after all. Um, they also announced a bunch of pre-order bonuses. Don't pre-order, but if you want to pre-order, despite my 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 warnings not to, um, then uh, you can get some extra DLC, uh, including a section called the Yellow Turban Rebellion, which gives everybody a yellow hat to wear. I'm just kidding. Um, what it does is it gives you three <laughs> new warlords to play with and some different campaigns based on the historic Yellow Turban Rebellion. There's also a collector's edition that you can pre-order that comes with a big, goofy statue. Um, so you can take a look at all those things. Um, again, you know, all, all for your uh, your willingness to take a shot that the game will be terrible and have wasted all your money. Uh, you can you can go ahead and pre-order the uh the new Total War Three Kingdoms, um, or you can wait and then get reviews and get it in March. But that's what they've announced. All right, very cool. Well, as we all know, Star Control came out uh, last week. And I'm playing it. Oh, awesome. Well, you'll have to tell us more about that there at the end. Um, but they're not done releasing the dev diaries for it yet. We get one more. And this one's all about modding, which I can understand why they would wait till it was out to kind of show people this. And a lot of this makes sense to modding people, but not to me. Essentially, there's an assets directory. And um, in your documents folder, you, you're you going to have your own folder called universes. And let's say you just want to change one thing. Well, you only have to change that one. You, you, you're going to make a copy of that file, change that one file. And then when you load up the game, you'll be able to choose your custom universe. That Maybe it just has that one file that's different. That's fine. The rest of the files will all load up because it makes an automatic copy for you. And there you go. It, it seems very simple to do this. So you'll, you'll mod the game outside it, outside the game. And then when you're starting a new game, you'll, you'll choose that, that modded version to play in. But with saved games, you can take... Now, this is a little bit more complicated for me and since I haven't played... Uh, but basically, you have saved characters in this game. And so you can use those characters in your new universes. Multiverses? Universes? I don't know. Something like that. Well, new universes, but the combination of all the universes is the multiverse. There you go. So you'll be able to use those saved characters. And um, it's, it looks like they made it very easy to mod this game. It, it looks very mod-friendly. 
Uh, you can mod the maps, create your own custom maps, all that stuff. Uh, you can create your own adventures with this, and it, it's got some things that'll help you there to do that. So, um, Star Control looks like a super mod-friendly game, so if you're a modder and you're really into that, you might check out Star Control. It looks like it, it makes it really easy for people to do. I think there's actually a lot of possibilities for modding with Star Control, having played through it a little bit. It feels like there's a lot. If you really want to get into it, it, it seems like you could really create something interesting of telling your own stories and narratives within the framework of what they've given you. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, that's kind of the idea. That's That was the basic premise behind the game, is to make it very mod-friendly so you can create your own narrative, your own stories. Because that's... You remember when they were talking about that they're calling one of the games a particular universe, another game they're calling a different universe, another game, like when they were trying to explain the lore, how this all fits in together, that's kind of what the problem, that's that was the idea behind why they're, they made the game the way it is. Oh, so. I see. So that way, if somebody wants to play in one of the old universes, they can just mod this one. Yeah. I get it. Very clever. Well, or, or make a new universe and then have it where... They create ships that are Star Trek style ships, and which so I've seen some of those on Steam already. They oh, have right. those are like those come out like the day after a game shows up yeah. anymore. Is this Star Trek Total Conversion mod or something? But it could be cool. I mean, if you ever wonder what it would be like, you know, to set them up. So when you in some games when you do it, you don't have the same type of control in combat as you do in Star Control because in Star Control there's a lot of like very detailed combat. So that could be, if you actually played the original game, some of the factions were a little bit similar to the Star Trek factions, just in case you're wondering already. (laughs) So, you know, this, this just kind of legit. I mean, that's how it wasn't. What a surprise. But that was the original game. So I'm not even talking about anything. In fact, the the game used to make fun of you. If you renamed your, your ship enterprise, it would make fun of you. Right. So very cool. Exactly. All right, well, why don't you tell us about Giant Fighting Robots? What's going on with Battletech? Yes, so Battletech, so uh, <clears throat> Hairbrain Schemes released two different bits of information this week. So they're doing the develop, a developer diary talking about how they're changing the shop within the game. And basically, as you travel from system to system, be it in the campaign or in the sandbox or after you beat the game, you can buy equipment to repair or upgrade your mechs or hire mercenaries specific because what it is is your mercenary company these major empires don't really engage with each other openly because it's very 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 destructive so what they do is like noble houses hire mercenaries to handle various issues for the most part so anyway so as you travel from system to system based on your relationship with the faction that controls that that bit of space and you know the part of the story you're in you get different things available to you with the introduction of flashpoints what they're doing is is they're bringing some of the weapons that are unique the lost tech otherwise known as lost tech and these these weapons you actually get in the main campaign you get two of them and they're phenomenal they're awesome like i protected the mechs that were had those weapons it was one particular mech with one particular weapon i protected that like I, I, i didn't care if i lost everybody else that mech must not take damage you know because of that weapon loadout so now 
as part of Flashpoint, they're going to bring back more of that into the campaign. So as you are going from system to system, you are more likely to discover little bits and pieces like that. Or if you're doing the Flashpoints, which are multiple uh, event chains, as a reward, you might get some kind of lost tech, which that's cool. I mean, I really enjoyed my time with it. I can't wait for this to come out. So that's so that's the first part. The second part is this was an update that they had ported the game to Linux. And they're talking about, you know, a couple of the known issues that they're going to be working on. But again, this is for the Linux players out there that and I know there are plenty. So now the game will function for you. So if you were like waiting, when am I going to get access to the game? I will, I refuse to play on the Windows platform. I know I used to be like that because I was all about playing on my Mac. And then I was like, what, what am I doing? Let me just get a PC. Let me see how much different gaming is. And it was amazing. It was like, what, it was like playing on a old school um, Nintendo versus playing even on a Wii U. Well, well, fine, not Wii U. On a Wii or a Switch or something like that. You know, Wii U is a red-headed stepchild in the Nintendo family. Oh, but, there's so many of those in the Nintendo family. <laughs> many red-headed stepchilds. Yeah, what does yeah. that make the Virtual Boy? Yeah, really, Virtual Boy, I, I mean, it's, I, I don't know, man. Um, well, I still have a headache from using that thing. Do you? I never... <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe you actually had one. <laughs> I didn't have one. I used to work at a Blockbuster Video, and we got one as a oh, sample, so I got to oh, play around with okay. it. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Blockbuster so I, Video. So I saw Man, in person exactly old. what horribleness it was. That's Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Uh, a buddy of mine had the glove. Oh, God. Uh, oh, the power glove from back <laughs> yeah, in the day? Yeah. My uncle had the uh, giant pad. Uh-huh. You could run on. Yeah. For an, we're way off topic. Sorry, oh. guys. Sorry. No, we're no, just reminiscing no, no. about, about weird how, Nintendo How about the tech. robot? Do you remember the, so robot, the robot? Yeah, I had a cousin. The gyroscope. Uh, I could yeah. never figure out what it was for. I'm like, what are you supposed to do with it? The robot that? came with the system if you bought it. Yes, the yeah. original system. Yeah. I remember. I did buy I had buy a cousin it. in New York who had that. And, like, we never used this stupid robot. Like, I think there was one game that was made yeah. for it. Uh, <laughs> anyways we're, we're you guys are old i'm not so you guys yeah are old. right anyway. right um so josh have you survived mars yeah so speaking of red things right things that are right. red everywhere uh-huh. uh-huh like the virtual boy we can talk about surviving mars uh-huh. um so we've got a dev update they're doing another uh update to the game this one's codenamed sagan and they've told us what it's going to be based around. They're basically what they're doing is they're adding challenges. So um, depending on which uh, starter company you use, and depending on where you land, you'll get certain challenges, and they'll be different levels. Some things may be as basic as just getting people onto your planet. Some of them may be way more difficult, such as you know researching all the technologies. You'll have to do them within a certain amount of time. So this is all sort of building into giving the game more replayability where people feel like, well, I did it once, it was easy. This sort of gives them a structure where they're being challenged, sorry, to do different things within certain time periods, certain difficulties, and then compete against other people online. Uh, So that's interesting. I I think it's a nice idea for Surviving Mars. It doesn't necessarily answer my issues with it, but um, it's still a good game, and anything that encourages people to continue playing that good game I think is is a good decision. What it's going to do, however, is that they're also going to have to change some of the rules. Right now, the way it works is the landing spots, even when you choose the same landing spot on the planet, they're sort of randomly generated. 
Um, but that's going to have to change in order for the challenges to be fair. You can't have somebody land and get a whole ton of water in a spot, and then the same person tries to do the same challenge, and there's no water there, and suddenly the challenge is three times as difficult. So it means that instead of procedurally generating the land, um, ironic considering our earlier conversation, they're going to standardize landing spots for the challenges so that it's the same for everyone. Um, so, you know, it, you're getting something interesting, but you're losing something else that was sort of interesting, so that's too bad. They also mentioned that they're going to change it so the rovers no longer require recharging. They felt like it was becoming too much micromanagement. That was one of my complaints about the game, so I'm glad that they've moved that away. And it sounds like there's going to be some other little quality of life and patchy stuff that's going to be added in. Mostly, the thing that excites me the most is that they're continuing to work on the game. They're continuing to build Surviving Mars and so the more attention they give to that, the happier I am. Yeah, and uh, I'll be even happier if it gets the kind of, um, not support, but content yeah. that City Skylines got. Because it's getting yeah. plenty of support, but if it got continued content where they could grow it further. But yeah. without going into, here's the thing. What makes Surviving Mars, I think, kind of stand out right now is that it's not fantastical. Right, that's what I loved about it. The, you know, the things that I complained about were when they add in the fantastical stuff at the back end. Right. So if what was it like with the, not with the resources, but with um, you can build like science fiction buildings at the end. Yeah. Not just science fiction, but there was something else, too. There were like some some remnant structures or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. You can find like lost, like almost like there was a, some previous civilization there. Or yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if they stay away from that and just yeah. add, it would be the previous it, update is they added even more fantastical stuff. It would like, it would be the equivalent of adding Godzilla into city skylines. Yeah. You know, earthquakes make sense. Hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, tsunamis, you know, stuff like that. But like when you start, it was fun in Sim city. I wouldn't think it would be as fun in City Skylines. But again, coming back to Surviving Mars, you know, if they keep putting content in there and expanding on the game, on the core gameplay, I think that would be fantastic. I agree. Now, moving on, this week we're going to talk about two different games in the what is. So the first game is another 4X game that was brought to our attention this week, which was you know, slipped under the radar completely. I mean, that probably has a lot to do with the fact that Steam is not curating games, which is unfortunate, and we have to, but we can only do so much. They're releasing so many games so fast that it's hard to track them. So thank you very much to our community member who brought this to our attention. And this game is called Deity Empires. And um, it's, it's, it's a fantasy game. You're also trying to raise your god and you know, fighting off other gods. So it has a lot of similarities to Dominions. Now, one of my personal issues with Dominions is that the graphics are dated. I'll just leave it at that. That's my personal issue. But the gameplay is solid, and the lore behind it and, you know, all the work that went into it was top-notch. No argument there. But, like, for me, the graphics, I'm, I'm, I have been called once or twice a graphics whore in the past. So I think... That is apt. So that's my issue. Now, having said that, Deity Empires makes Dominions 5 look like Endless Legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of got the uh, same type of graphics as uh, Conquest of Elysium. Uh, no, I think of... even, even more dated than that. Oh, so this is like think, a well, throwback to like... So Arcane Sorcery? 
Yes, maybe even more dated than that. It's, I mean, that's part, but the thing is, they're not, their pitch is that this is a 80s style 4X. So a lot of what made the original, well, original. the ASCII art? Oh, it's pretty close. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. If And if you look at the UI, you're going to be like, whoa. So that's the, that's the thing. I mean, none of that really matters. At the end of the day, if the gameplay is good, the gameplay is good. But my issue, the my the thing that I take issue with is the price. They want thirty five bucks for this game. What? Yeah. Now there are a lot of games out there that are twenty dollars, thirty dollars. Surviving Mars is what thirty bucks, right? Sure, Nate. That sounds good. <laughs> All right. Just it's thirty bucks for the sake of this argument. It's thirty bucks or not. I mean, there. Um, Joshua, anyway, what's what's surviving the other? Surviving Mars is thirty bucks. It is right. Yep, what's twenty nine ninety nine? What about the? It's not in my head right now, but the one you wrote up right before it. Oh, also, uh, space uh, colony management on a space on a planet. Oh, Avon Colony. I think that was twenty. Hang on, I'll, I'll pop like right. Just like twenty five. Look, Thea the, the like... Awakening with all its DLC and everything is twenty bucks. Right. So, so the price the price for this is way too high, and even though it might be Avon Colony awesome, is thirty. Thirty. There you go. So even though it might be an awesome game. At its core, people are going to be hung up on 35 because it's just it's that's a hard sell, and that's that's the majority of the discussion in our forum is like trying to figure out the price and somebody trying to convince somebody else to buy the game and give it a spin. So in the process of all of that, Micah showed interest in it. He's like, "Oh, I would be so excited to play this, you know, throwback graphics and you know all that." I, I'm I'm all in. So once Dominion's Five is out. I'll go about getting him a key for review if he's still eager to do it. So, but yeah, that's not going to happen for another month or two because he's like neck deep in Dominions and it's it's a deep game. But wait for his review. I mean, you saw our review for Dominions for that was a crazy long review, very detailed from Ben. So that's okay. So this is the first game. Now the second game is called Foundation, and this game is a city builder, city sim, but this is set in. Uh, medieval tech so this isn't oh that's interesting yeah and the thing is is that the way they describe it is that it's gridless because in a lot of these city sims it's based on a grid so here the growth is going to be a lot more organic a lot more sensible so even if you look at it you'll see that it's not growing on a grid it's it looks more like what the what um how the growth happens on endless legend where it's occupying a region or maybe maybe banished but banished was it wasn't people built it like grid like to optimize the builds but if you look here like we'll have a link to it so you can take a look at it it's it's not it's more regional growth it's organic growth it's very much more focused on building not i, I don't think there are any fantastical elements to it so that I, I doubt there's going to be any dragons or ogres popping up but it's more about growing your medieval you know, city. And another major thing here is that it's going to have monuments. So it's, it's all about the monuments. So building stuff like churches and castles and mansions and things of that nature. So, yeah, it's, you know, back again to the whole point about city builder. This, this time around, what's really hot are city builders and turns out, you know, squad tactics. So, yeah. That's check it out. We'll have a link in the notes for both Deity 
um, Empires and Foundation. And if it looks interesting to you, you know, give both of those games a look. And if not, give them a look anyways, because what does it hurt you? A couple of minutes of your time, right? Yeah, Foundation doesn't look too bad. It's not really available yet, but it doesn't look too bad. No, no, but you, their information's out there. And they got, they yeah. got some uh, gameplay stuff I think I've seen, and definitely a bunch of pictures and, you know, some dev diaries and things like that. Okay, so, Joshua, you said you wanted to talk, make some waves and talk about something that's bugging uh, you, so let's yeah. do this. Here oh, we go. Before we go, as, as a heads up to people, please do not get triggered. If you get triggered by this, this is something that needs discussion, regardless. Yeah, so. yeah actually, I think we can actually start there. I, th- I think, you know, we get complaints sometimes about, you know, oh, you guys went political, you shouldn't be talking political. This isn't political. This is about a game. This is about people who play games. Um, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Honestly, okay. I really don't. Okay. Um, so, uh, Total War Rome 2. Uh, Nate, I think you know what's going on with this. Yeah, oh, read absolutely. about this? Yeah, I just heard about it. And now I know what you're going to talk about. And yeah, I'm burying my head in my face or in my hands. I'm just... Uh, Are you yeah, crying? Um, Are you crying? Mm-hmm. No, I'm not crying. I'm I'm embarrassed for my species. Go ahead. Josh. Oh, okay, good, good answer, good answer. Yeah, I, I am too. I'm I'm I, I really feel like it's important to talk about this. Um, so thank you for letting me do this. Thank you for giving me a platform. Um, Total War Rome Two, which has been out since 2013. I had an update about six months ago where they added in family trees so it was possible for your generals to or your kings to give birth to other people. And therefore, you could have generations upon generations of generals leading your armies through ancient Rome. And not the kings, the queens. That, well, that's the thing. Is it Basically, the, the update allowed there to be, gasp the horror, female generals in the game. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. You said giving birth. I was just correcting oh. that the kings were not actually giving birth. But No, well. No. I'm making a little correction. Sorry. I understand. So, yes, it's possible to have female generals in the game. Um, about a month ago, uh, a Total War Rome 2 player posted a picture of a screenshot, what they claim is a screenshot from the game, showing that they were given four options or five options for generals and gasped the horror. They were all women. Oh, no. Yeah, they posted it. People got angry. They um, began review bombing the uh, the game on Steam. They have a, a the creative assembly has a, a PR person who happens also to be a woman who came back and said that this was part of the game, that if they didn't like it, they were welcome to not play the game and ask them not to use offensive language. And the response was now to attack her and try to get her fired, which I think is a perfectly reasonable response. Um, sarcasm. That was sarcasm, yeah. Uh, yeah. It has to be it's very clear. clear that. Sarcasm. <laughs> I like really how everybody do. has to pitch in because you know we something's really going um, yeah. Creative yeah. Assembly then responded. Um, I'm going to read exactly what they wrote. In regards to the current debate about Rome 2, there have been no changes to recruitable female general spawn rates. With the addition of the family tree feature and the new gameplay options it brings, playable factions may gain more female family members via marriage. If a player has their male family member seek a wife and get married, more females enter the family. Wow, weird. 
This means more female characters may appear as recruitable generals, but again, only in those factions where female characters may be recruited as generals. Female characters appear throughout the game, but have between a 10 and 15% chance of appearing as recruitable generals for some of the playable factions. The exceptions are the Greek states, Rome, Carthage, and some eastern factions with have a 0% chance, and the Kush, which has a 50% chance. Uh, the Kush were female-led historically. Yes. This is, sorry, that's my parenthetical. This is to right. represent the cultural differences in those factions during the time the game is set. These percentage chances are moddable by players. I think that's a really important point. They are moddable by players. We have not seen any bugs where this is shown to be different or not working as intended. We have no plans to patch this out or remove this feature from the game, to which the so-called fans have continued to re review bomb the game. They now claim that uh, this is because that uh, the Creative Assembly is disrespecting their players. Um, let me be clear about this. This is disgusting behavior by gamers um, who can't bear the thought of seeing a woman on the, their computer screens. And I, I cannot say this clearly enough. Those people need to fuck off. This is ridiculous. It is stupid. If you really can't handle it, if it's really beyond your precious male privileged soul that a woman appears in your game, you can mod it out. Making okay. this about historical accuracy or saying that it's about respecting your customers is ludicrous bullcrap argument. And, Defending and they, uh, bigoted, misogynistic views. You they, need to fuck off. They even address the historically accurate, say it's not for all the factions. Like right. the, the titular Rome faction has a 0% chance. Yeah. And, you know, if you've studied Arguing historical accuracy. Uh, British history, surely at some point you came across Boudicca and yeah. you know about her and she's a really cool, awesome historical character and you know, like you pointed out, uh, uh, Kush was uh, led by women off. I mean, but the 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 com the claims that it's not historically it's just an accurate are in trying to make a rational themselves. argument out of an irrational problem. Yeah, wow. and I'm I'm looking at the Steam reviews, and wow, this game has gotten bombed hardcore. Yeah, okay, and you know, right if now, it was just bad reviews, who cares? But the fact but, that Steam yeah. is allowing openly misogynistic, openly bigoted statements on the review page, they really ought to be ashamed of themselves. Well, they, okay. It's not like yeah. those are anonymous posts. Those people have, yeah, like, have registered accounts. accounts that should be banned immediately. Okay. There should, All right. there should, I, didn't, uh, Nate, didn't I, we last week talk about an update from Steam where they would, they're yes. going to take a more active hand? Yes. In, so I wanna, was it I a wanna, result of... There's a tolerance policy for this. There really is. I want to interject a little bit. So I want to bring a <laughs> Joshua, you're very passionate about this. I appreciate yeah, it. But I, 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 we as gamers should not allow this. Absolutely. Kind of stuff absolutely. To any any of any of any parent here that has children that are daughters should consider that what's going on right now is insane. See, and I, even see, ones I, I, that I, don't. Nate, hang on, hang on. I, that's actually one of the things I want to get away from. This is not just an, a woman issue or I, a people with daughters issues. This is a human being issue. Oh, no, no, no. I know. I, let me finish that. I go, so here's here's what I'm saying. So if you have daughters, this should concern you. And even if you don't, this should still concern you. Having said that, I think a lot of the review bombing that's that happens, so the initial trigger for the community and I saw as I was watching like a couple of YouTubers that I follow as it develops, I was watching, you know, their videos and I was watching the comments on their videos. So initially it started with that outrage, you know, oh, I'm going to have female general 
in in my army it doesn't make sense it's not historically accurate what really like set a lot of players off were her comments she her comments and, were her comments were no no her no, comments let's be clear about what her comments no, 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 hold on her hold on comments, Josh, she made two on. comments Joshua, her comments were that the game was 100% moddable if you didn't want to see them and if you have problems with women in your games you don't have to play the game okay at which so, point she also asked them to not use offensive language and the response from the community was to try to get her fired for that. Okay. So what I'm getting at is a completely is that great response. Her, no, it's not a great response what they did. But Yes, and, it is. It is a completely and totally responsible. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. I have to vehemently disagree with you. It wait, was hold on. The community, hold on. The community's response to try to get her fired is good. I'm confused here. What I'm saying is that the community's response to her words is bad. Agreed. Not the review bombing, which happens now if somebody looks at somebody funny and says, hello, oh, what? Okay, you insulted me, review bomb. I'm not even talking about that. That you're right. Steam Steam needs to work on that. And Troy, maybe this might be the beginning. We will see how Steam handles this toxicity. So that, I mean, Valve. We'll see how Valve handles this toxicity on Steam because this is a perfect test case for that. What I'm saying is that what triggered the community initially was the fact that the, the women generals, but then it was brought to light that this is something that went down back in March. This yeah. has been already in place for six months. Nobody noticed it until somebody noticed it. And then, you know, you have all these people just looking for reasons to get mad at something. Somebody either found or created a screenshot that they knew would cause problems. It's, it's, and when it's, a woman dared stand up to them, they went after her. It's it's. It's not even about what they did, whether it's intentional, not the woman. I'm talking about the player, whether that actually happened or if it's doctored. They it's clearly not posted a, it with the intention of starting. Oh, up. yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, what the, I'm, the outrage culture is becoming a real problem. Right. So, but I'm talking specifically as far as what she said. So of the things that she said, what caused the backlash is when she told them, not that they're in here, if you want and mod it out, but. This is how the game is. If you don't want it, don't play it. That's what started triggering people. So, and I think that's a personal, perfectly rational response. I'll fair tell enough. you right now. But do you know how you can? Do you know how Creative Assembly can fix this without her being fired? Without what's the Creative Assembly has nothing to fix. But there's nothing to fix. No, no, there's nothing for Creative Assembly to fix. And she responded exactly no. appropriately. Yeah. And I'll double down. You don't have to play your game. I mean, you don't. I don't have to play want people who feel this way reading our site. I don't want them listening to our webcast. Those people do not belong in society. It's 2018. Oh, well, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, exactly. You're... It's 2018. It's time to grow up. Women exist. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and, and it's historically accurate that there were women general. Yeah. And the, they're, they're, the, the, the complainers have nothing to stand on here. Not no, they're, they're com the, but the, the fact that we have to have a rational argument about whether it was historically accurate or not is beyond the point. But that's not even what we're talking. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't have an issue with having women as generals if I'm playing a faction that that was the case. But that's not what I'm talking. And if it happens in a faction that wasn't the case, this is a game. This is in real life. Yeah. You know, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is how. So, OK, so here's a question for you. Well, not a question. I know what your answer is going to be. Yeah. So I'm just going to I'm going to suppose a situation. Creative Assembly has to handle this. Even no, if it's they've handled it, they've handled it to my satisfaction. 
Yeah, but if you're the only guy buying their games, all their games, there are a lot of people out there that are triggered by this. Are some of the other Total War games getting... See, this is my problem. She didn't... Uh, triggered... This really makes me upset, Nate. I want you to know. I, she not, didn't... By I, I couldn't you're stop. not triggering I, people by telling misogynists that you don't want them playing your game. No, I disagree with this completely. This is a very small, very loud community of Nazis that does not belong and, and that doesn't belong out here. If they don't belong, they go back. Go back to the past. Go back to the past where you belong. Well, she didn't trigger anybody. Okay. All right? She doesn't owe anyone an apology. Creative she doesn't, have to give doesn't any... owe anyone an apology. And no. I will repeat it again and again. If Without this the... is your opinion, if you can't bear to see women in your games, you need to fuck off. This is she didn't trigger anybody, and I'm really insulted that you would use that language about this name. What language? You didn't yeah. even let me finish. You didn't even know what I'm anyone. Okay. Creative Assembly didn't trigger anyone. And making this argument that it's gonna cost them sales because they're gonna stand by human other human beings is despicable. Okay. Joshua, you have cut me off several times and you okay. have yet to hear what I'm getting at. So you don't even ahead, know what Nate. I'm trying to propose. You're getting mad and you don't know what I'm even trying to propose. Go ahead. So here's my solution, regardless of whether it's three people or a hundred people or a thousand people, this is in our environment right now. The, here's the problem as I see it. You have several layers to this problem. You have the layer of this hostile gaming community. And this has been shown in multiple games and multiple genres. It's not total war. It's, we've no, seen no. it in lots of different places like flare-ups. What the cause for it is, you know, it's up to debate. We can debate about it, but I don't know if we're going to get any closer to it. We each have our own ideas as to why. And it's really irrelevant, you know, like, a, like you know, it's an opinion. So what do we know? But regardless... This review bombing has to be stopped, right? So until Valve goes in, and this is, again, this has happened to other games for different reasons, but the same outcome. So until Valve goes in and starts fixing these things and starts moderating this stuff, Creative Assembly has a problem on its hand. Now, is the problem a developer or a PR person that's handling this? No. The problem is, is that their community is unhappy. So if they're not going to say that they're sorry, because like you said, and I agree with you, they don't have anything to be sorry about and they don't have to apologize. They don't have to kiss anybody's butt. You know, they don't have to give out a bunch of free stuff to make people happy again. But how do you fix this in the meantime? So the people that are triggered, not you, obviously, but the Total War players that are triggered, that are angry, that are insulting her, insulting Creative Assembly, leaving misogynistic, threatening, all kinds of, you know, doxing. If I'm sure if it hasn't happened, it will happen. And if it has happened, it'll happen again. Because, you know, that's what the community does in these situations. Instead of being rational adults if they're adults or at least level-headed teenagers, if they're teenagers, they're just popping off at the top. So what Creative Assembly can do is make this change part of a like a downloaded DLC, a free DLC. You, so instead of the us, I don't know how to mod. So if I'm playing the game and I'm bothered by it, but I can't go in and mod I'm it. And sure, I am sure there's a mod available. I'm sure you could just go onto yeah. Steam right now and find it. Right. But Probably again, called Sausage Fest or something like that. <laughs> but that, but that, see, but that would be a mod from the community, and yeah. that would be the that would be basically the community, the the loud, angry, triggered hostels. You know. So no, I don't believe the Creative Assembly should provide a mod. No, but yeah. if let's uh okay uh let me just talk for for just sure. a second. Yes, you're right. You're right, Nate. The uh, 
the 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 problem of the review bombing has to be addressed. So that is a problem that should be fixed. No, nothing Creative Assembly do, did should be fixed, but the review bombing should be fixed. And so I'm reminded of other companies like Amazon, like Yelp and mm-hmm. Google, when a book or product or a business get review bombed, those companies, and I'm talking about Amazon, Yelp, and Google, take the initiative to take down the review bomb. Right. Amazon, and, and look, they do it for all kinds of reasons, for for products, businesses, everything on all the political spectrum, because Amazon has everything on it. Right. And everything gets uh, it's a marketplace. on it's a, it's a giant on, marketplace. On Amazon. So Steam has chosen to kind of follow Amazon in that respect by not really censoring products or anything. Okay, fine. Because of that, you're going to have to deal with review bombs. And responsible technology companies like Amazon, Yelp, and Google have ways of dealing with review bombs. And I'm going through all the Total War games right now. They're all getting review bombed right now, just massively. That's on Valve. Yes. This is Valve's responsibility, not Creative Assembly's responsibility. This is Valve's responsibility. These people are selling their games on Valve's marketplace. If Valve wants to have a nice marketplace, they need to be able to address this very real problem. There are there all kinds of products get review bombed. Oh yeah. All kinds of books get review bombed for all kinds of crazy different things. Okay? And Good companies have a way of resolving that. So the onus is on Valve, not anybody else. Creative well, Assembly. On, I do want to say one other thing. Yeah, sure. I, I I'm, do I'm think done. that the onus is on other gamers. Oh, absolutely. Oh, well. Absolutely. And I, I think yeah, the onus is on gonna... us to make it clear that that behavior is unacceptable. Oh, I, I agree with you. Now, I'm not addressing the behavior. I'm, I'm yeah. addressing the, the negative reviews on, on Steam. Yes. And I imagine Metacritic as well. Uh, the... Yeah, the, the behavior thing, I mean, we're a community, right? And that's what a community yeah. does. A, a community polices itself, and yes. we, we find a way to stay a community um, and keep the community safe uh, for everybody. Because, we try. Uh, we, we try. Uh, we all deserve the right to, to grow and, and you know, perform our, our tasks and duties as we like. So, uh, yeah, that, the, the behavior is a community thing. Um, I would like to see Valve uh, help out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, some companies either can't afford or are not interested in hiring community managers. Uh, so Valve may have some responsibility there. But when it comes to review bombs, that that is a hundred percent Valve problem, and they need to do something to address it. Beyond, They're a major tech company. Yeah, they should act like one. But yeah, beyond right. the review bombing, they they need to police inappropriate comments on their pages. Well, that's kind of that's the thing is that's what we talked about last week is that's what Valve said they're going to do on. Well, here's a good chance. Yeah, yeah exactly. this is a test case. Like I'll give an example for us. For a major on... uh, developer and publisher. It's not like Creative Assembly and Sega are small potatoes. Oh, on yeah. Steam. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I want to use Explorminate as an example. From time to time, we have a flare-up within our forums, usually in Star Dri- in the Star Drive two threads. <laughs> well, we have it in Star Control too, as well. We start, uh, Star well, Control uh, Unity. That, uh, origins. Yeah, so, Origins, whatever it's called. Jeez. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's late at night. Don't don't Very don't. Very late at night at this point. But anyways, I, I wanted to mention Star Control, by the way. But first, I'll say this, then I'll mention that, and you'll see where I 
well, have let's to move agree on. with both of you. Yeah. No, no, hold on, hold on. So yeah. get done. Within our forums, we try very hard not to moderate people. We set out clear guidelines. Look, you know, we would like for you to do this, this, and this. If you talk amongst each other and you have heated conversations, that's great. Don't insult one another. Don't attack one another. Don't attack developers. Don't don't attack random people in there. It doesn't serve a purpose. When somebody violates stuff like that, we warn them. In the past, I think we've banned two people ever, and we've had thousands not counting of bots. They, no, 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 no. Bots, they're not people. We, we ban all bots. I'm talking, and that was for... See, spam. now we're going to get in trouble with the bot community. <laughs> I'm not worried about the community. They're, they're banned on our forums. They cannot get in there. If they do, we'll ban them again. Anyways, the point is, is that as a community, we are an example where we can get flare-ups and we can usually chill them out, you know? But what that shows is that there's moderation. There's people around. There's, you know, there's somebody around. Now, We've had flare-ups. Our most recent ones were in Star Control. And since we're talking Star Control, they've had they've been getting review bombed also yes. by people that are very angry about uh, litigation. We've had nasty comments in our in your preview. And it's kind of like, you know, having to explain to people like, look, you know, chill out. It's it's a game. Yeah. You know, if and and that's that's what the people playing this game being angry and triggered by it don't get it's a game you know your life doesn't depend on this game i think that's what she was trying to say it's like you know step back just chill out for a moment look around you don't you know don't don't snap and it had the exact opposite effect and that probably has something to do with our the political environment in the u.s right now there's a lot of tension gender of the person who wrote it but it's always there's always been women in lots of positions, but like right now, it, now there's just every little word somebody somewhere get just pops their top in one side or the other, you know, and it sucks. It makes it difficult for us to communicate with one another. It makes it difficult for us to come to a compromise to get something done. And that's that's I think at the end that's like the greater issue here is yeah. that we're we're so hyper compromised here. Well, I, I think Creative Assembly has done all the compromising <laughs> they needed. Uh, you can mod it out, and it's historically it's accurate. Valve. So now it's time for Valve to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's time well, for let's just Valve switch. to let's, act like a real company. Yeah. Well, they, they're not doing it in other parts of their marketplace, so let's see. Maybe they'll do it here, right? Well, yeah. Now it's affecting one of their, their major yep. publishers. So, so, But it's hey, well, let's revisit this a little later and see how this plays out, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll revisit this issue again. Joshua, you up yeah. for it? Sure, I'd, I'd love to yell at Nate some more over the podcast. It's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> you weren't yelling at me, but you were throwing out profanities oh. left and right. This is in the last... Like, I was what? so jealous of Mark. He got to use so many curse uh, words in the last yeah. podcast I was on. I just had to use yeah, some. But not on the weekly exchange. Do that on uh, the strategic expanse. The weekly exchange is the worst profanity. Well, look, listen, listen. If people make it this far into the show, uh, we, we're way past an hour at this point. Yeah. So All right. And, and, and to be fair, if they, if they didn't get triggered by what I was saying in the first place, then certainly my curse words weren't going to fix it. Yeah, there anything. you go. Right. That, that ought to tick them off. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out we'll find out all right so let's talk about the last bit of news before we talk about the games we're playing so you remember how the on what was it may 25th may 21st when was it may 25th 21st the gdpr kicked in in europe 
Oh, yeah, that's right. And we were getting, like, spammed from, like, all these places. Oh, this changed. It's like all these websites are sending me emails. I'm like, whoa, I, I, I've never been to your website. I have no idea who you are. And they have your information all of a sudden. So it's interesting that, that, that you know, that was going on back in May. Now, on October 1st, so let me see. At the time you hear it, it's going to be, yeah, you, you're going to hear it after. You're going to hear this after this change kicks in. So Paradox Games have a change that's going into place. So currently, at the time of recording, which is on a very late Sunday night, what's the date, the 29th? Yeah, it's almost Monday. Yep. 30th. So we're we're right at the end of the month. On the 30th, it's, it's almost Monday, exactly. So as of right now, when you can revert to any version of any Paradox game you have. So if you have Europa Universalis, and let's say they released some patch and you don't like what's happening or some hotfix, you can revert it to a different version and play that version. No problems. Or Stellaris or Crusader Kings 2 or Hearts of Iron or whatever else. As of the first, which would have been at the time you hear this, as of past Monday, you can't do that anymore because they have to come into compliance with the GDPR. So now you have to have like a separate, you also have to be logged in into their uh, login and like something else. And it's like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why can you revert to older games, but not with newer games, what changed? Where's the compliance? And their answer is like, well, if you want to know more, here, read this giant wall of text and figure it out. Yeah, it's got to be they were siphoning off data from users in a way that didn't comply with the GDPR. Like, what was that program? Everybody got really oh, bent red, out of shape. Red, red Shell? Red Shell, yeah. So they were probably doing something like that, maybe their own in-house version of it. And now, like, they, for whatever reason... Like the EULA isn't updated for those older versions or something. And so I don't know. I don't know. That, I mean, that's the only thing that would make sense to me. That yeah. They were siphoning off data, didn't tell people. And now when you download these versions from their own site, it's going to have that giant wall of text, the EULA or whatever. Mm-hmm. And is it, do you agree to this? And you're like, sure, I'm not going to spend five hours reading that. I just want to play a game. Right. I never agree to those. <laughs> That's how I ended up cleaning Bill Gates's pool for three years. What was that? What, wait, what? I didn't read the EULA, and apparently it uh, committed me to working cleaning his pool for three years. Yeah. Are you I've serious? Heard about that happening? Yeah, Nate, he's serious. Did, did anybody actually clean his pool? <laughs> Somebody did. <laughs> I don't. If, if one if, Josh, <laughs> if, if they would have, if they would have tried to force that on me, I would have cleaned it with urine. Oh. <laughs> All right. Hey, oh, you got him pretty good, Josh. It's late. It's late. Yeah, this clearly needs some sleep. <laughs> all right. So, we're, all right. Let's move on. Let's let's start wrapping it up. So, Josh, what are you playing? What are you? I'll playing? do this really quick. I've um, been playing Star Control, uh, whose name I can't remember. Apparently, Star Control Origins. I'm um, working on that for the review. I'm about five hours in. Um, it's a really interesting game. I'm looking forward to writing about it, but I won't give any spoilers here. Um, I've been playing Spider Man on PlayStation Four. Really enjoy the Spider Man. I'm the world's worst Spider-Man, but um, I'm getting shot. I'm getting beat up by bullies. I'm crashing into buildings, but I'm still enjoying being Spider-Man. Or um, Spider-Man. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really bad scene for him. Um, and uh, my usual Hearthstone, uh, you know, the usual cool. stuff. Cool. What about you, Troy? Uh, just a little bit of World of Tanks. I finally, I, I've completed my most recent goal, okay. which was getting to the Panzer E100. Which okay. is the top German tank destroyer? 
Okay. And uh, I'm really glad about that. And now I'm ready to put the game down for a while because it wore oh. me out getting are you that, go- so. Are you going to lose like progress if you do that in uh, rain? Yeah, and I don't stars care. I'm, I'm and... tired. I'm tired. Uh, you know, I, I reached this goal. I've been working on it for a long time now and it feels really good. And I'm I'm just tired. I'm tired. Right. And I have other good options like yeah. Space Tyrant, to. which uh-huh. I still haven't been able to win a skirmish on that thing yet. Oh, uh, nice. That's a pretty hard game. Pretty hard. But game. are you and enjoying then, yourself? Oh yeah, it's fun. I don't normally like humor in my games, and this game's making me laugh. Uh, and then I'm also playing Thea too. I got um, like 20 turns into it. Did you uh, found your first city or not yet? I don't think that's in yet. Okay. Did you try it? Because I, uh, I, I the, tried the it. Update, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. Yeah, the, the update said it's not in yet. I couldn't do it. So I've just been forming camps. And now you can craft in your camp. So it's like you have a yeah. uh, almost like a nomad town. So you don't have to have a city to explore the game's mechanics. It's just as hard as before. I started okay. off with four characters and now I've got two. Oh, I so the, the degree of difficulty hasn't changed. And um, I, I, think it's, I think it's cool and fun and. Yeah, it's looking good to me. What have you played, Nate? So same thing. I've I've um, I've been playing Aggressor's Ancient Rome for the review, and um, I have like ten something hours logged in on Steam, and maybe another three or four offline. And then, yeah, it's it's a solid game. I suck at it <laughs> because it's so like focused on war. I my the way I war is different than how the game wants you to war. So I'm having to relearn it, which is one of the reasons why I try not to play too many 4X at the same time because it's really it gets really complicated. So I've been playing that. I've been enjoying myself. I'm obviously writing the review for this. So I'm, you know, exploring the game. And man, it has like a crazy amount of options when you're first launching your game, like how you can customize it. Probably one of the most like in-depth ones I've seen. I'd, I'd easily put it in the top five. And then, um, what else have I been playing? Yeah, so, like you, I got access to Thea, like, last night, but I didn't have a chance to play it. So I fired it up this morning. I don't even know how many turns I got in, but I had, like, a really rough start where, like, the first thing before I even made landfall, I was caught in a storm, and I ended up losing one of my party members. Yeah, same thing happened to me. I wonder if that's just the way it goes. Oh, was it I'm going to start a new game with my... Was it a child in yours? No, it was an old man. Mine was a child. Yeah, well, that's what. Yeah, we I was like, I was like, man, what the hell? Give me a break already. So yeah, so it was, it was rough. My, my child got kidnapped by goblins. Oh, lovely, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> you mean in the game, right, Troy? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is Thea. This is Thea. Yeah, that's normal everyday experience in Thea. Right. So anything else, Nate? Yes, and I've been playing two games on my Switch. My Nintendo Switch. Even though I have a PS4 and Xbox, I mean uh, Xbox, a Spider-Man branded PS4 Pro that I should be playing Spider-Man on. I haven't (laughs) fired it up yet. It's still boxed up. It's awesome. It's a great game. I I believe you. I just want my first game on my PS4 to be Red Dead Redemption 2. Ah. So I've been playing on my Switch. I, I have Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which is basically XCOM in Mario Rabbids world. And it is, it is, it's fun. It's a fun game. I can, my oldest, he played a little bit of XCOM on the iPad and he told me like, dad, I, you can delete it. I'm like, how come? It's like, this game is scary. It's, it's really rough. It's a scary game. I think you would really enjoy Mario Rabbids 
because it's it's in the Mario game. It's rabbits. It's got a lot of humor. It's really like fun to play. And the second game is Armello. So Armello, which is a which is something that I wrote up for an excursion like two and a half years ago, is uh, got released maybe half a year ago on the iPad, and now it got a release on the Switch. And this is like a perfect game for the Switch. And I got that. So I've been messing. Armello's a really good game. Right? It's like it's yeah. a board game, card game. With, it's with, a lot of fun. It's fun. It's interesting. It's fantastic writing. A lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, and they've added a bunch to it, too, since it first came out. If you only played it in the early days, it's gotten way better. Yeah, like they changed a lot of the rules that the game flows better. You know. The, yeah, the, they added a bunch of new characters and stuff. And cards. Yeah. So I, I haven't gotten too deep into it to see what's different between that and like the original game that I played, but I plan to. And um, that's it, really. Not too much gaming time this week. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. And just a quick thank you for everybody for hanging on. This might be one of our longest weekly exchange shows. It's definitely going to be our most... um, Insulting? No, no. no. Vehement. (laughs) Yeah, vehement, yeah. No, no, not even vehement. Oh, Nate. Just pick a word, man. It's Most confrontational. There we go. There we go. Fine. So where there was a lot of vehement vehemence exhibited and insults were not traded, but thrown out into the wind. <laughs> and then thanks to our patrons for supporting us because uh, you guys and gals, you make it all happen. So we really, really appreciate it. And um, I can't, I can't think of anything else. I think that's it. Oh yeah. Uh, the audible extension for Oriental Empires, which is the follow-up to the review will be up at this point. So give it a listen because if you felt that the review wasn't complete enough, there's a lot more going on in the extension. And I, I think it was good. Yeah, I actually really recommend the extension. I think it answers. There were some questions in the comments that I stayed away from answering because I think the Audible extension actually answers them. Good. So hopefully people give it a listen and we can continue the conversation after they listen to the extension. If they still feel like I didn't answer some questions, then by all means, come at me and I'll gladly answer them. And that's it. All right. Very good. Well, we really enjoyed having you with us tonight. Thanks for tuning in and listening. This has been Troy, Josh, and Nate for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya.
Thank you.